Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I'm moving back to our mini-series about fascism in fiction. This week I'm talking about one of the most famous movies of all time, and also a movie that deals heavily with themes of fascism and collaboration. I'm talking about Casablanca. Casablanca is one of the most famous films and consistently, and in my opinion correctly, highly rated films. It's often described as one of the best movies that the Hollywood system has ever produced. It was filmed in 1942, during World War II. It stars Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Heinrich, and Claude Rains. It was not intended to be a major hit. This was a time when the studio system was organized around movies that were supposed to be the big hits, you know, they were producing hundreds and hundreds of movies a year, but there were some that were supposed to be big name hitters. And despite the fact that this movie has a really stacked cast, it was not supposed to be the big turnout hit of that year, even for most of the people in it. Like Humphrey Bogart was supposed to be more famous for starring in a spy movie that year, for example. However, it just stood out as being spectacularly good. It won Best Picture. The director, Michael Curtis, won Best Director. The writers, the Epstein brothers, a pair of screenwriting twins, and Howard Koch, whose contributions didn't actually appear on screen, they all won Best Adapted Screenplay because the film is based on an unproduced play called Everybody Comes to Rick's. Critical analysis of the movie after its release has some saying that it's overrated, or some saying that the atmosphere around the movie, like people's appreciation of it, makes it a worse movie. However, others note that the iconic nature of the movie is part of what makes it so good, and as many images, characters, phrases that have just seeped into the zeitgeist and are just part of how we think about not just film, but also modern culture. The plot of the movie concerns a club owner, a guy named Rick, played by Humphrey Bogart, in Casablanca. He owns a club called the Café Américain. And it is a club that is a home to anybody, right? Anybody can come into Rick's place. The film is set in 1941, before the United States has entered World War II. And it is set at the time when Vichy France, the collaborationist government of France run by Marshal Pétain, was running northern Africa, where Casablanca is. Casablanca at the time, like most of northwest Africa, was held as a colony of the French, so it was under French jurisdiction and still run by Vichy France. The bar, Rick's, is a neutral place, frequented by Nazis, Vichy officials, and civilian refugees, most of them French, hoping to reach the United States via Portugal or Spain, neutral countries. Rick, that is Humphrey Bogart, maintains an official indifference to the fascists, both the Nazis and the Vichy officials. He is personally, however, deeply opposed to them, and helps some of the refugees under the table, right? He gives them money, he helps them have places to stay, right? And he provides a space where they can try to get, you know, letters of passage, ability to escape Casablanca into these neutral countries where they can go to safety. He also needs to bribe the Vichy cop, Captain Renault, who is played by Claude Rains, who, in my opinion, steals every fucking scene he's in in this movie. The plot really kicks off when Rick, by happenstance, ends up in possession of two, quote, letters of transit, which are a sort of movie fictionalized version of a a set of documents that would allow a traveler to cross borders in a difficult situation, like, say, 
during war. And so the idea is that this would allow their bearers to leave the Vichy French-occupied Casablanca and go anywhere. This is incredible for the refugees in Rick's and in Casablanca in general. Rick has essentially, at the start of the movie, ended up in possession of like the most incredible golden ticket possible, right? At that same moment, his former lover, and the reason he left freedom fighting for becoming a cynical club owner, comes into the bar. Her name is Ilsa Lund, played by Bergman, and her husband is Victor Laszlo, played by Henried. He is a leader of the Czech resistance, and she is his collaborator and his partner in arms. They are on the run from the Germans, and they are trying to get out of Casablanca. They're trying to go to probably the United States or some other place where they can be free and where Laszlo can operate as a resistance leader, right? So the movie has thrust us into this position where Rick has exactly what they need. However, he is unwilling to give it to them because he remains extremely resentful of his former lover, Ilsa, because she left him unexpectedly. So the rest of the plot is wrangling about whether Rick will help them escape or not, despite his feeling betrayed by Ilsa. The backstory for that is that the two of them fell in love in Paris the previous year, when Ilsa thought that her husband was dead or trapped in a concentration camp about to be killed. Rick eventually convinces Ilsa that he will help Laszlo escape, but that she will stay with him. They share a sort of 1940s Hollywood night together. It remains unclear about whether or not they have sex. Uh, that's part of the magic of the movie is that we don't really know about these people's personal lives. We don't even really know anything about their love because that was in the past and they both sort of ruefully regret it in some sort of way. In the end of the movie, Rick has tricked Ilsa. And instead, his plan is to put her on the plane with Laszlo so that she can help him remain a leader of the resistance against the Nazis. However, at the very moment that Ilsa and Laszlo are getting on the plane, a German officer who has been trailing them throughout the movie finds them and says that he's going to arrest Laszlo and kill him and probably kill Ilsa too and possibly fuck up Rick as well. Rick then shoots him. So Rick kills a German military officer. He shoots, he murders a Nazi official in Vichy, France. He is witnessed by uh, Captain Renault, the French Vichy cop. However, in a big, wonderful turn, after having been a collaborator for the entire movie, this Vichy cop decides that this is really, you know, his line in the sand. And he says that instead of arresting Rick for this murder, which he witnessed, He's instead going to round up, quote, the usual suspects and just make a show of trying to investigate how this German official was killed. So Ilsa and Laszlo get on the plane while Rick and Captain Renault decide that they're going to go off and fight the Nazis together. Rick then ends the movie with the famous line, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Okay, that was the plot. Let's talk about how this movie fares in terms of its depictions of fascism and how it handles fascism. As far as fascism goes, this is mostly not really a movie about fascism per se. Remember, it takes place in French colonial North Africa during the Vichy era. It does not take place in Germany or Italy. The German characters, like, for example, the one that Rick murders at the conclusion of the film, 
are not really characters in the way that the other ones in the film are. They're more like a threat. They're just like thugs that run around and threaten the main characters that we actually know and care about. They're not presented as having their own internal lives or their own internal politics or moral struggles. Instead, Casablanca is, most importantly, a movie about collaboration. It's a movie about how easy it is to fall into collaboration and complacency with regards to fascism, how it benefits the people who collaborate with fascism, and also the serious moral dangers and pitfalls of this collaboration. In the end, Casablanca is a masterful story about love and loss and duty and the dangers of working in a system that is dominated by fascists. Ultimately, I think the movie is a sort of allegory about the United States' relationship to World War II. Rick here is a stand-in for the United States. In 1941, he is officially neutral to the war, and he is being pulled by his morals into the conflict against the Nazis, despite the fact that his material interests lie in neutrality. The movie is also about the complicity of French forces, about French colonial forces, about their collaboration with the Nazis, but it presents it as a sort of reluctant collaboration, right? The French would prefer to be independent, but they have been conquered by the Nazis, and this is the situation that they're in. It depicts their ability to be convinced that joining Free France instead of Vichy France is a better option. At this point in 1941-1942, France was divided in three parts, essentially. One part was directly occupied by the Nazis. This was the entire Atlantic coast of France, essentially. Vichy France is southern France. It is a technically independent collaborationist regime of fascist French. And then there is Free France. This is de Gaulle's France, which is headquartered in colonial areas that had not allied with Vichy, which were, you know, far enough away that, you know, de Gaulle could maintain some level of independence. The movie's central themes are about the need to leave behind loved ones and naive ideas in order to fight the war, in order to defeat fascism. This is a perfect lesson to give a somewhat still reluctant United States in 1941-1942 to engage in this war against the Germans, remembering that, you know, in 1941, the United States did enter the war, but it was because it was attacked by the Japanese. The Germans did not attack the United States, did not provoke it in any way other than by attacking their sometimes allies, the British. The movie shows Rick give up his love. He gives up his love to Ilsa, somebody that he is deeply in love with, that she is deeply in love with him, and she is willing to leave her husband for him, right? He forces her to do the same in order to help Laszlo, her husband, fight for Czech freedom. Captain Renault, the corrupt Vichy cop, also gives up on his extremely lucrative, corrupt situation in order to fight alongside Rick with Free France. So this movie shows all of its characters making real, personal, like believable sacrifices in order to fight the fascists, in order to fight Nazis. This is one of the things that makes the movie so palatable, so relatable. It makes the fight against fascism a personal one. We see the stakes, and they're just everyday stakes. You know, do you get to spend your life with someone you love, or do you do your duty and stop fascism from taking over the world? Do you continue in a lucrative, nice, cush position, or do you turn on the hand that feeds you because it is a, you know, a hand in a fascist glove, right? That's the stakes of this movie, and I think that that's what makes it so relatable. 
because it's not just a movie about like how bad the Nazis are. You know, it, 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 it's not really a, it's not a Holocaust movie. It's not a movie about Nazi atrocities. It's a movie about the moral stakes, the moral quandaries about when you turn on a good situation because you know that it is wrong. It's a movie about collaboration and about turning away from collaboration. The other incredible thing about Casablanca is that it, 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 just, it just has this like real and extremely present tragic energy. This is a movie that was filmed in 1942. It is about the present for the people watching this film. Like, in fact, Casablanca, the city, was liberated by Allied forces in the week that the movie Casablanca appeared on screens. Like, this is, it's the present for the people making and watching this film. I think that there is no scene that illustrates this better than a famous scene that takes place in Rick's Club. In this scene, a group of German soldiers commandeer a piano that is at one side of the bar, and they start to play the piano loudly and sing this big, pompous German Nazi patriotic song. These are all German soldiers, and they're taking over the bar singing this Nazi song. Laszlo, who is in the bar, looks to Rick and gets his approval and tells the band, you know, a big band, to play La Marseillaise, a, the French national anthem, instead. This drives the entire crowd, which is, again, remember, mostly French, to stand up and sing the French national anthem in defiance of the Nazis who are occupying it. In fact, this scene includes a close-up on one French woman who is bawling, just, just tears streaming down her eyes. And it's just, it's just a really incredible performance of a person who, as it turns out, this was a real experience for her. This French woman, in fact, who had in the scene, entered the bar on the arm of a Nazi soldier, but was moved to tears by the praying of the French national anthem. It turns out that this woman was played by Madeleine Lebeau, an actual French actor, an actual refugee from France during World War II, who had fled the country alongside her Jewish husband in advance of the Nazis because they knew that they would be killed or harassed. They had, in fact, gone to North Africa, to French-occupied North Africa, and then used stolen and fake documents to go to Portugal and then the United States. Casablanca is not a fictional film. It is a dramatization, and sometimes a somewhat schlocky dramatization. But it is a dramatization of real events, and it, its quandaries, its questions, are real ones. Will you work with the fascists when it is convenient for you to do so? Or will you do what you should and fight them? That's what makes this movie a good anti-Nazi film. It's a real story about the practicalities of fighting and defeating fascism. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right and fascism 15. And I'm on blue sky at 15 M-I-N-S of fash, F-A-S-C. All right. Thanks very much. And I will talk to you on Thursday. Thank <laughs> you.